Our readings this morning come from uh, both the book of Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel, as well as a quote from Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. So listen for the word of our Lord. The hand of the Lord came upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me all around them. There were very many lying in the valley, and they were very dry. He said to me, Mortal, can these bones live? I answered, O Lord God, you know. And then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. I will lay sinews on you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I had been commanded and, I, and as I prophesied, suddenly there was a noise, a rattling and the bones came together, bone to its bone. I looked and there were sinews on them and flesh had come upon them and skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy mortal and say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe upon these slain that they may live. I prophesied as he commanded me and the breath came into them and they lived and stood on their feet, a vast multitude. Then he said to me, mortal, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are cut off completely. Therefore prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from your graves, O my people. And I will bring you back to the land of Israel. And you shall know that I am the Lord when I, when I open your graves and bring you, forth, bring you up from your graves, O my people. I will put my spirit within you and you shall live. And I will place upon you, uh, I, I will place you on your own soil. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken and will act, says the Lord. And then from the Gospel of Luke, just one verse, Jesus announcing his mission in the, in the synagogue. The spirit of the Lord upon, is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord God, allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh through your Holy Spirit that we may ourselves become alive again. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Max Dupree, the former CEO of the Herman Miller Company, tells a story about his father. Back in the 1920s, furniture factories were not run by electric motors, but they were, they were run by a shaft and pulley system that was fed by a steam engine. And it was a rather complicated system of boilers and straps and steam, and the whole cycle was overseen by a person who was called a millwright. One day the millwright died and Dupree recounts that his father, when hearing the news, went to the millwright's house to pay his respects. And when he arrived at the rather humble abode, his wife welcomed him into the modest living room. And after some awkward conversation, the millwright's wife asked, would it be all right if I read you some poetry? Mr. Dupree consented and so the woman went into another room and she brought out a book of poetry and began to read it. It was beautiful poetry. And when the woman finished reading it, Mr. Dupree asked, who was it that wrote it? 
And she replied that it was her husband, the millwright, who wrote it. When Mr. Dupree left the house, he began to wonder, the employee whose job it was to oversee this mechanical puzzle of shafts and pulleys, who was very skilled at his work, had something very different going on with, within him. He had another passion, another gift. He wrote poetry. He wrote really good poetry. And it led Mr. Dupree to ask a question that would forever change the way that he looked at his employees. Was this man a poet who did millwright's work, or was he a millwright who wrote poetry? Was he a poet who did millwright's work, or was he a millwright who did poetry? You know, life has its way of funneling us into work or roles. Sure, we do make decisions along the way of what we are going to do for a living, or what we're going to be when we grow up, but those choices don't always paint the entire picture of who we are. There's more to each one of us than meets the eye, isn't there? It's not fair to say that you are simply a business executive or simply a salesperson or simply an accountant. You're not simply a stay-at-home parent or simply a teacher or simply retired or simply a millwright. The truth is that you are not simply anything. We are all deep and complicated human beings. We have all been fearfully and wonderfully made by a creator who has a design for us. And each day we learn a little bit more about ourselves. But nevertheless, we do live in a world that has its way of working us, sometimes working us to the bone. And when I say working us to the bone, I don't mean necessarily working long hours, though that may sometimes be the case. No. The world has its way of working us to the bone by somehow working out of us the spirit that is inside of us. Working us. Working us over. So that the only thing left is bones and no spirit. We can get work to the bone in so many ways. Sometimes it is, in fact, our jobs that work us to the bone. We take on work that doesn't necessarily give joy, but pays the bills. We work against our spirit until finally our spirit departs. Sometimes it's just life that works us to the bone. Unfortunate circumstances occur that make our lives more difficult. Job loss, marital strife, depression, unexpected accidents, bad diagnosis sometimes simply aging. And we grind and we grind until one day we feel that there is no spirit left inside. All bones and no spirit. Sometimes it's not being honest with ourselves that works us to the bone. We live our lives the way we think that everybody else wants us to live our lives. Maybe it's family that has told us how to live our lives in a certain way instead of how we might be called or how we are created. We put on a good front until finally the day comes when we look inside and we see nothing. Boris Pasternak, author of Dr. Zhivago, put it this way. The great majority of us are required to live a life of constant and systematic duplicity. Your health is bound to be affected if day by day you say the opposite of what you feel. You grovel before what you dislike and you rejoice in what brings you nothing but misfortune. 
Our spirits cannot forever be violated without impunity. Our spirits cannot forever be violated without impunity. Let's add on top of it the widespread notion in our culture, certainly outside the churches I speak with my friends that don't go to church, that believes that the purpose of God, the purpose of church, the presence of God, the mission of God is to try to get each one of us to do something that we're not wired to do, to get us to be a person that we were never created to be, that God is some kind of a drill sergeant who is there to bark orders at us, to whip us into shape, into some kind of robotic follower. It doesn't matter how you were made. It doesn't matter who you are. God's around to mold you into a uniform figurine. And religion for many becomes this dry sort of ritual that, ritual that manages to suck out of us whatever spirit might remain. That even God, some think, works you to the bone. And so what happens on Sunday morning is that there are a lot of people who are bone tired from their week, bone tired from working against their very grain, bracing themselves now for a drill sergeant who is there to tell them you're not measuring up. All bones and no spirit. Enter the message of Ezekiel. Ezekiel is speaking to the discouraged, the depleted people of Israel who have been left to suffer under foreign captivity. History has worked over Israel and their spirit has departed and Ezekiel has this vision. And it's a vision of a valley of dry bones, a valley of people who have been worked over by history, worked to the bone, who have had all of life go against them. And in this vision, Ezekiel hears the voice of God who tells him to prophesy to these bones Tell the bones that I will allow breath to enter into them again. And they will live again. I will lay flesh on them and I will breathe my spirit into them and they will come alive and they will be what they were always intended to be. You see, the message of the, of the Bible from the beginning to the end is that God is always trying to help us be who we were created to be. And what we are is both bone and spirit both flesh and soul. And the spirit of God inside of us is a spirit that God breathed into us to bring life into our bodies. This is a unique spirit that oftentimes the world wants to suck right out of us. And to that, Jesus says, I have come to set the captives free. I have come to blow upon those dry bones, the spirit of God. I've come to give you permission to be yourself. Studs Terkel, who wrote a book on the nature of work in America called, of all things, Working. He says that most people have jobs that are too small for their spirit. I want to expand that to say that most people have lifestyles that are too small for their spirit. Most people have made choices that are too small for their spirits. Most people have circumstances in their lives that are too small for their spirits. Most people have gotten themselves worked to the bone. And we all wonder, can these bones live again? You know, maybe that's why Christmas is loved so much. Because that little baby born in Bethlehem is born to two people who have gotten themselves worked over. Mary and Joseph. 
forced to leave their home, has her firstborn in a stable. You know, that's enough to knock the spirit right out of you. The young people in Palestine living under the rule of Rome, the kingdom of Herod, worshiping in a temple built by a heathen, that'll knock the spirit out of you. But then there's this little baby boy. And he has come to tell us that life is more than just circumstance. Life is more than situation. Life is more than the choices that you have made. Life is spirit. And Jesus has come to set our spirits free. Jesus has come to breathe life into our spirits. It's no surprise that when that in his ministry, Jesus felt drawn to people like tax collectors and the prostitutes and the marginalized and even the empty rich, you know, those people who've got a lot of stuff, but no spirit. And they come to Jesus and say, Jesus, life has worked us to the bone. We've gone against every grain. There's an empty rattle inside of me. And Jesus says, follow me. Let me unlock that prison. Let me set you free. Because where Jesus takes us is back to what we were created to be. Jesus takes us back to when we were born, back to where it began, back to when life was spirit. We were spirit before anything else, and we will be spirit after everything else. And while life has its way of hammering us and labeling us and defining us, Jesus leads us into an adventurous journey of living out this great mission of human existence. We are called to love the world and all that is in it and to find joy of being what we were created to be and to do. B. Salazar is a woman from Texas who had back surgery. And she went home to recuperate and she was put on disability and she was really discouraged over the situation in her life. And one day she stepped outside of her apartment and saw over at the dumpster a young boy scavenging for food and she went to him and told him that if, she wanted, that if he wanted some food that he would make her a sandwich. She could make her a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And she did it. When she was done, the boy left and 15 minutes later, six more boys showed up at her door. Are you giving away sandwiches? And she said, yes, I am. And she fed them. And in talking with them, she found out that no one was at home for these boys because it was summertime. And the parents were working. And these boys had no place to eat their lunch. The next day, six more boys showed up and she felt like she was feeding the entire neighborhood. When school began, the kids became, began to come over at the end of the day to do their schoolwork there, and she helped them with their schoolwork. And she saw that this was getting pretty big, and so she asked for volunteers in the church and in her community, and she got resources from the school. She even got the landlord to give an apartment to set up shop for these children. 100 kids now come every day to visit B in her ministry. Mortal, can these bones live? Frederick Beekner said that our vocation in life is found where our deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. 
where our deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. They used to say that when Lou Gehrig, the great center fielder for the New York Yankees, came home from playing one of his 2,130 consecutive games for the Yankees, he would drop his stuff off at his house and he would run out to the street and he would play stickball with the kids on the street. Could you imagine playing stickball with Lou Gehrig? Deep down inside, Lou Gehrig was just a boy who wanted to play baseball. And maybe that's why when he was diagnosed with a disease that would later bear his name, he stood before a standing room only crowd at Yankee Stadium and he could say that he was the luckiest man on the face of the earth. Don't you wonder whether or not that's God's hope for us all? That this little light of peace would embrace each one of us? If somehow each one of us would get to the end of our day and say, I am the luckiest man, I am the luckiest woman on the face of the earth. Not because it went all as planned, not because it was a bed of roses, but because somewhere along the way we found ourselves. We found our spirit that God had planted within us. We found our calling in life. The place between the millwright and the poet, where the world's deep hunger and our deep gladness meet. Maybe it starts in Bethlehem where the world's deep hunger and God's deep gladness met in the baby Jesus, who one day walked the trails of Palestine and today walks the roads of Caldwell and says, follow me, let your bones live, amen.